So it's kickoff Sunday, or you might hear it called Next Step Sunday as well. And it's just a pleasure to, to have everybody with us here in 2020. If we, oh, if we haven't met before, my name's Andy. I'm one of the leaders here at Oceanside Church. Mike's our visionary lead elder. And what we hope to happen here this morning as we step into 2020 is just show you a little about what we're doing as a church, both inside the church on a Sunday, both what we're doing in the week and what we're doing outside the church as well. And that'll take place a little bit later. And just as thinking about the message this morning and what to chat about as we head into the new year, we're already on our second Sunday of the new year, just thinking about what to preach about, I just couldn't get away from how we ended the service last Sunday. Who was with us here last week? I just went home thinking just about how we ended. If, just to remind you guys about how we ended the service, we had an awesome time of worship, uh, Mike spoke, and then at the end of the service, there was three prophetic words, three people that came up that just felt that God was saying something to them, and I'd just like to remind us about where we're going. And BJ was up singing, uh, he was singing Waymaker, and uh, the band sung it here again this morning, and I just, just at the end of the service, he paused, and he said, he that feels that, that God just wants to take us into 2020 with 2020 vision. That's a nice catchy slogan. Mark's doing the same thing with the Bible school there. In 2020, let's see in 20, with 2020 vision. And it was an awesome word. And, and BJ was just saying, you know, doesn't the enemy love to just blur the lines and make things gray and make things difficult, make things misty? As we were driving to church here this morning, went through a big cloud of fog just on the highway. And it's just, doesn't the enemy like to do that? He likes to put fog in our way. He likes to make things appear like we don't know where we're going. And BJ was just prophetically speaking over us as a church, as we worship, that that wouldn't be the case. That this year, we would see with amazing eyesight that we'd see where God is taking with us. And then after that, Neil Roy came up. Neil. And just, just talked about his surgery. He's, he's got cataracts, and he had his left eye um, gone under surgery and was healed from cataracts in his eye and now could see with 20, I guess half 20 vision out, out, that, out that eye. And he's just like, it's amazing what I see now. I want to have the other, other eye done immediately. And doesn't God want to take the cataracts out of our eyes this morning that we might see clearly until the season that he's calling to us? One of the things that Neil said that stuck with me, he said, open your eyes and watch the good work that God is doing. And then after that, it was so sweet. I love it when this happens. We had a hard time finishing the meeting last week because we were just so excited about where God was taking us. Then Joy came up, Joy who leads our outreach ministries. And she came up just feeling, oh, I feel like God's just putting our feet in the starting blocks. Just like an endurance runner, just like someone who's about to run a race. I feel that God is saying, here are the starting blocks. Put your feet in this morning and then listen for God's call saying, go and run. And it was just an amazing time of finishing our service, finishing the first Sunday of the new decade, being reminded about where God wants us, to, wants us to do, and he wants to take the cloud away, and he wants to introduce us into a new way of seeing, and seeing where he's taking us. And just as we step into Next Step Sunday today, and introduce different things, I just want to talk about that. I just want to linger on that a little bit, to say, what is God saying, and what is God calling us to in this season? I don't know, 2020 is a pretty exciting year. Me and Camilla, we almost didn't do anything for, for New Year's, and we were like, oh, we better do it because it's a new decade. But I remember earlier in life when I was a bit younger being way more excited about every year that ticked over to something new. And I'm sure if you're in school or if you're a little bit younger, the feeling of going from 2019 to 2020 just feels epic. 
Because 10 years is a long time when you're small. You think of all the things that have happened in the last 10 years, and now there's a fresh decade. What is going to happen through 2020 to 2030? And we had that similar experience, those of you that are old enough. Uh, when I was 12, we went from 1999 to the year 2000. And for some of you, that feels like yesterday. For me, that feels like it was a while ago, but not 20 years ago. I feel like I'm really old now, even though I'm probably not. But I remember the atmosphere at the time, and I don't know what it was like here, but back home, the feeling of going from 1999 into the year 2000 just felt like we were, it felt like one great leap for mankind, didn't it? I remember our church put on a New Year's Eve party. We had like 600 people in church. All the kids were invited as well, way up past our bedtimes. And as the year rolled into the year 2000, we were so full of hope, so full of vision, felt like things were progressing at a massive, amazing place as a a 12-year-old kid, just eyes opened to what man and humanity was doing and what we were going to do in the next 20 years or up till this point. They built entire buildings in London around that concept of stepping into the millennium. We had the Millennium Dome, and as as school kids, you go to the Millennium Dome and see all this amazing technology and this amazing vision of what the future holds for us. I just remember that great hope. Sadly, I've lost some of that now because I'm a bitter old man. No. No, but going in, but I just, as I thought about the millennium, I just thought about, wow, wasn't it? It's amazing to be young people when one decade goes into another, one year goes into another because we're filled with hope. And something of that hope came back to me last week with how we ended that service. Something of that hope that, wow, what does the future hold for us came back to me as those prophetic words. And there was something special in the room last week as we went into that. And then you go from that and you're like, okay, how do we work this out? You go from triumph, you go from, wow, this is going to be amazing, 2020 is going to be fantastic, i got all my resolutions. And as we come to the second week, we're like, okay, how do we actually walk this out? Now comes the wrestling, the working out of how are we supposed to get there? You know, we're still driving through the fog this morning. I don't think, yeah, BJ's prophesied that we're going to have 2020 vision, but do I have it yet or is it something I need to work to? And I think when... BJ and the other guys were talking about having 2020 vision. How I understood that is we want to see like Jesus saw the world. You can have 2020 vision, and Neil got his cataracts fixed, and he's, he's halfway there back to 2020 vision again. But what Neil was talking about wasn't the fact that he wants to see physical things, it's the fact that he wants to see the spiritual things in 2020. He, we want our eyes opened to say, if Jesus was here looking out amongst the people this morning, looking at Nanaimo, looking at down the downtown streets, down the north end middle class streets, at the mall, what would he see? What would he say? What would his hope be? And what would he do based on that vision that he had of what he saw around him? Jesus didn't see the physical. One of the amazing things about him is he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly his mission. And therefore, what he saw was completely different to what those saw around him. And we just read the Gospels, right? And we, um, in September, in the 2020 challenge, I can't wait till we get to the Gospels in September. And we just see all those situations where Jesus, a situation comes up and Jesus just sees it completely differently, doesn't he? That's what he does. He just sees it in its true form. In the new season that we head into, you know, just one word from Isaiah, says, Isaiah 43 verse 19, God says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
I think that's for us this morning as we set in that hope to say, what God are you doing in this new decade? How do we see like Jesus sees in this new decade? If Jesus was among us this morning in our marriages, in our workplaces, in everywhere we go, what would he be doing if we stood next to him? What would he be coming in to the side and see? And we need to see like Jesus sees. Hang on, I've been holding this water for like five minutes. We need to see like Jesus sees because there is tasks at hand. There are things to do. There are hardships, even with the amazing things that were prophesied over to us last week. We know that 2020 isn't going to be a straightforward, easy year. There's going to be new illnesses, new hardships, new people losing jobs maybe, or different things. And for everything that brings us hope, it seems like sometimes there's another thing that can seem to stand in the way of that. So we need that vision to get through it. Because if our vision is just based on the here and the now and the physical and what we think is going on, we're going to leave disappointed. We need 2020 vision because our culture is changing at an alarming rate. Things are just, seems like, to me, it seems like doing apologetics from Christianity and introducing that to our culture just seems more difficult now. And in the next 10 years, if we're honest, the church is going to become a lot more cloudy and a lot more misty in terms of where we're being led as a church. Are we following culture and saying, oh, culture, you're going this way. Yeah, this is how we can adapt and change to that. Or are we leading? Are we going somewhere else? That's going to be a big thing in the next 10 years in North America. It's already happening. We need to know what God is calling us to, the vision that he's doing. And we need to know because we're going in a particular direction. Whether you believe it or not, whether church is just something that you do every Sunday, your life is going in a direction. No matter if you feel like it's been stagnant, no matter if you've been in the same job for 15 years, you're walking in a particular direction. And we need to know where God is calling us to go as a people, us personally, us in families, and us as a church. Where are you calling us? Where is our next step? Because we don't want to get lost. Who got lost for 40 years in the desert when God saved the Israelites out of their captivity and immediately they came out and they saw with their human eyes amazing things, things that we've never seen, things that we just read about, pillars of fire, water separating, just miraculous displays of God's favor and purpose over a people. But the very next thing they do in the desert is doubt with their own eyes. They have a lack of vision. They see things in the physical and they say, that's too hard for us. And they spent a bunch of time wasting and walking around in circles. Church, in 2020, we don't want to be in that circle. We don't want our same seasons to tick around to another. Sometimes it can feel like, oh, this, this season, I thought I got past that thing. Now I'm back at it. We don't want to be there. We want to see with spiritual eyes this morning where God is taking us. And when we know that God's ways are higher than our ways, right? We know that God knows everything. He's seen the first thing. He's seen the last thing. He knows every hair on our head and all of that. How do we know that? In Isaiah 55, again, going back to Isaiah, God says and and, and talks through Isaiah, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we know that to be true. And sometimes we can come as Christians and just sort of revel in that. We can be like, Lord, you, I know you know everything, but I don't. And we just, we just put one foot in front of the other, thinking that he's, he's got all this knowledge, we don't. And that somehow he's going to lead us into the future. 
But there's more to us than that. God is making a way for him to show his purpose, his ways to us. There is a new hope that was given to us through, if we read 1 Corinthians, the New Testament writer Paul was, was, was talking to a church that was just in chaos. They had so many things wrong with them. We feel pretty good about ourselves when we read Corinthians because we're like, ha, we're not like them. So let's read it and feel good about ourselves as we go into 2020. No. Um, but the writer introduces this thing to that church to say, look, you don't have to be like this. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, he says, and he quotes Isaiah, he says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who, can, who knows enough even to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And as, we were talking, as I was wrestling through, okay, how can we live with 2020 vision? What does that mean? As I read that verse, I, I realized that to have 2020 vision in 2020, to see the spiritual things, is to live in the truth of this verse, 1 Corinthians 2.16, and say, how can we have the mind of Christ as we go about and do everything? One commentator said this about what it means to have the mind of Christ. Well, it means that you can learn to think like Jesus. You can have the same thoughts, same attitudes. You can have the same reactions. And this is God's goal for your life and my life, that we would learn to become like Christ. And you can't become like Christ without learning to think like Christ did. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. Earlier in that scripture that we read in 1 Corinthians 2, if we just read verse 14, Paul's going to explain a little bit more about what he's, who he's addressing this to. He says in verse 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And, is he, not a, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Then he goes back in, for who has understood the mind of the Lord is so to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. There's great hope in that, because if we're believers here this morning, if we've been born again, that's been born into the Spirit, the Bible says that we were once dead, but now we're alive in the Spirit. We are those spiritual people. It doesn't mean the people of other, there's lots of people who believe that's spiritual. What the writer is talking about is the spiritual people who have been born of the Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit. And that's what qualifies us to have the mind of Christ. This year as we enter 2020, who, who began a New Year's resolution? I dare you to stick up your hand. Oh, three people? Yeah, right. Seriously? No. We don't want to admit, especially on, what is it, the 12th of January that we set New Year's resolutions. Statistically, by the 23rd of January, most, about half of resolutions have, have gone to the side. They've been, they've been different things. But when we set New, New Year's resolutions, there's this great thing that happens with us. There's this great hope, and we have that great hope this morning based on the prophetic words that came last week. But we know that when we set a New Year's resolution or when we decide to do something new, there's a physical thing usually that we have to do. Maybe it's get fit. And then there's a mind battle that we have to do as well. Having the mind of Christ ultimately affects what we do. When you start a New Year's resolution to go to the gym every week, your body is usually capable in the first couple of days. I can get my body to the gym for, for three or four days, and then after that, it starts to get really hard. But the main struggle isn't in my body, it isn't in the physical, it's actually in my mind. 
How many of us cancel gym appointments because, oh, it might snow tomorrow morning, or it's going to be cold, or it's just super dark and I can't wake up? If we're actually true with ourselves, it's not a physical limitation that keeps us from stepping into new things. It's a mind thing that steps us from keeping into new things. And that's why it's so important this morning that we take on the mind of Christ, because that's where the whole battle is fought. If we know what God has called us to, if he knows what he he says about us, if we're grounded in truth and that truth has authority over our mind and corrects our mind when we wander, then we're actually going to be able to step into those things that he's calling us to, those good things. It's the same with having the mind of Christ. It's just the other way around. Usually we set a New Year's resolution and we do it in the physical until our mind can't do it anymore. But in Christ, we renew our mind, we set our minds on Christ, and then the physical comes second because we have to act on what has been revealed to us in the Spirit. Because God's filling us with love and hope, and as we get more love and hope, we love to act on that love and hope for one another. There's just seven things, quickly, I just want to point out that is true for the people that set their minds, that have a mind of Christ. We know that Christ... And if we look at the life of Christ, we know that Christ knew exactly who he was. About 18 times through the New Testament, Jesus declares who, is true, who he truly is and who, who he's called to be. And that really helped him. We think about the, um, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, when, the de- when he, Jesus was praying and fasting. At the end of that, the devil showed him all the things that he could have. If you just, you know, just give yourself bread to eat Jesus, you can, you're hungry. You can just make bread appear. Make bread appear and eat it. I can give you, I can make you rule over, over the entire nations if you just do this thing for me. But Jesus knew his true identity. And he was able to actually say to the devil, no, I don't need your bread. Even if I can speak it into being. No, I don't need the kingdom. I'm already the, the ruler of heaven and earth, even though it doesn't seem like it now. Jesus never second-guessed his identity. If we want to see with 2020 vision in 2020, if we want to step into those prophetic words that were declared over us last week, we have to know who we are exactly like Christ knew who he was. That's where most of it starts. Because we doubt and we think, oh, I know I'm a son of God, but I'm just so weak. I know I'm a son of God, but I'm not all the way there. I'm not all the way there. That's where a lot of that cloud comes in because that's where the enemy tries to attack us. Who are you called to be before God? Who has God declared you to be in his book? Jesus knew the purpose for his life. Early on, he knew that he would be the Messiah. He knew that he was the one to come and to bear the sins of all nations. And we were just figuring out and trying to catch up to him. And even when the disciples saw him on that cross, still didn't fully comprehend. Even though, But Jesus knew the purpose for his own life. That's number two. Number three that Jesus knew is that Jesus knew that God was with him always. God was with him always, and we need to know that as well. Sometimes it, we feel like we're doing our own thing. Sometimes even though we've spent that, that, those, that half an hour, that 15 minutes in the morning praying before we head out towards the day, sometimes we feel like God isn't with us. Church, we need to know that God is with us, standing beside us, empowering us to do the things that he got us. He's not just some God watching us on CCTV. And every so once in, once in a while, we call him up and say, Jesus, this is, what, this is what happened. This is what's going to happen tomorrow. He's not watching us on a screen, looking at us. He's right there with us. Out of that, we depend on, uh, Jesus depended on God's power instead of just his own. Jesus knew that he was to live out God's will and not his own. And that's the same for us. 
And Jesus knew that he had to live with eternal perspective. In Hebrews 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's such a perplexing verse when you read that, to the joy of the cross. There was no joy in the cross. There was pain and suffering. If you saw Jesus' face when he was on the cross, you wouldn't have cast him as joyful. So why is there a joy for the cross? Because Jesus knew what was coming after the cross. How many of you know what is coming after that difficult thing that stands in your way, that is in your path, that God hasn't miraculously taken away? Do you know what's standing on the other side? There's joy. There was joy for Jesus in the cross because he knew what it was accomplishing for man, woman, and child, right? We've got to know that same joy, the joy of my workplace, the joy of that difficult family member, the joy of my marriage when it feels tough, the joy of children screaming at 5 a.m. Where's the joy in all this stuff? There is joy because we know what is coming. And in Colossians, thinking with an eternal purpose, Colossians 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the Lord, that the Lord you, sorry, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And the final thing, the seventh thing that Jesus just railed upon constantly is that he was willing to sacrifice his life for the sake of others. And those who have the mind of Christ, those who set their things, their their eyes on eternal purposes, those who know their identity, they know what they're called, they know that God is with them, they know that their purpose, they know that they're called to sacrifice their lives for the sake of others. In Galatians 5, verse 13 speaking to another church, not the Corinthian church this time, same guy just speaking to another church. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And if you read on from where we were in Corinthians, you would know that the the writer Paul was talking in strong ways with the Corinthian church about how they weren't living up to that fact that they were spiritual people. And this verse holds true for them themselves. It says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. The Corinthian church had taken the freedom that they had in Jesus Christ and said, I can do anything I want. I can get drunk. I can live exactly like the world lives. I can do all these things because I'm free in Christ. How marvelous it is to be free in Christ. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And we know that well this morning. And sometimes most of our Christian life feels like working that out. Not using my flesh as an opportunity for the sin. And we check the box and say, check, I'm not using my my new freedom in Christ as an opportunity to say I can sin. Um, And that's it. That's all we do. But there's a second part of this verse that we need to step into. Now, I think we need to step into this morning as we step into 2020, that 2020 vision. The second half of that verse says, but through love serve one another. We don't have those massive issues, but sometimes we just think about our Christianity and our personal walk with God. Or sometimes I think about my Christianity as now I'm married to Camilla, I just think, oh, it's about our relationship. Now Now we've got kids, now it's about their relationship. But God is calling us to a level of service, the level of service that he displayed through his, through his son. So you can't see with the eyes that Jesus saw and not step into what he did. 
You can't put on the, the mind of Christ and not be called into, the action for your, into action for your brother and sister. Seeing how Jesus sees must lead us into loving acts of service for one another. He talks about it constantly. In Matthew 23, verse 11, he said, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. In Mark 9.33, he's traveling with his disciples from one city to, to another. It says, And they came to Capernaum, and, there, and, and he was with them in the house, and he asked, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued about which one of them was the greatest, which disciple was the greatest they were arguing about. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be the last of all, and the servant of all. That's crazy, isn't it? Jesus put himself in the lowest position while he was on the earth. There were people that really liked him and that tried to exalt him and that tried to make him kim, and there was people that tried to kill him. And he went to the cross in the lowest position of any human had ever lived. In Luke 22, verse 26, he says, But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Isn't it the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you, but I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus saw serving as the highest calling. And having the mind of Christ will lead us into that position. In Mark 10, 45, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom, ransom for many. And that's a high bar. You know, you read all those verses and you think, wow, yeah, you're right, God, I'm, I'm, I'm called to serve. If I'm, if I'm doing your thing, I'm called to serve. There's no way of reading your scripture and knowing that I'm not supposed to live for the benefit of my fellow man, both in the church and outside the church and all of that. And our first default amongst New Year's resolutions and all these new things is to try and go straight into service, to try and go straight into saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down and do the, 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 the brunch once a week that we put on. I'm going to serve my, my fellow man there. I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to serve in youth ministry or in 180 kids. But we, when we start doing something out of obligation, that's not where Jesus came from. When me and Camilla were first married, or well, actually when we were, when was it? Yeah, we were long distance both when we were dating, when we were, um, when we were dating, and when we were married as well, we did some long distance. And during those times, we were just like, so in love with one another. We wanted to live for the benefit of the other person. We used to put gift boxes together and send them and all these intricate little gifts in there to say, I love you, I'm thinking about you. It wasn't, it wasn't a, an obligation. And that, out of that love, we started a marriage for one another and now we started walking together in love. Our love for Jesus needs to be like that. Our love for looking around us at our fellow person needs to be like that. And that's why we need the sight of Christ. Because when we just see his commands in the Bible that the greatest among you will be the servant and we just start being a servant out of that, we burn out. It's not good enough. It's not good enough just to know that I'm supposed to serve Camilla in my marriage, that I'm supposed to love her. I need the love. I need the infatuation love. I need the head over heels love. I need the love that just comes out of seeing who she is, right? There's no one that knows Camilla like I do, except for Jesus. And it's out of that that we love one another. And our love 
for our fellow person needs to come out of that as well. That's how Jesus saw people. I just want to take a moment right now as we, as we finish up the preaching before we go into the next thing. It's just for you to think about the co-workers that you, that you, that you work with. Just close your eyes here this morning. Just think about your co-workers. Think about your boss maybe. Think about your family members. And ask God, God, how do you see this person? Maybe it's a difficult person that you've got working with. Nod your head if it's really difficult. No, don't, don't do that. But God wants you to see this person. God wants you to see your co-workers, the people coming into your businesses, as he sees them. And as we step out into the truth of God, what are you calling us to? And God, give us, give us the mind of Christ. Give us that 2020 vision. He's going to have to place into us those eyes that see those people, the difficult people, the people that we just meet at the cash register with the eyes that he saw. Open your, open your eyes again. We're going somewhere in, in, in 2020. We, we know that we're going. We're still maybe waiting to hear what, what God is calling us to. And there's many things that we'll introduce to you this morning that are areas of need. And they're areas of need because they're really great areas that like there's multiplication in our kids, there's multiplication in our youth, there's multiplication in our services and our setup and all this other stuff, all these tasks that need to be done. But we don't want you to do them out of obligation. We want to do them out of a love for one another. And even this morning, as we sit amongst our brothers and sisters, there's people that we don't even know. That's why we love it when Mike asks us to shake the person of the hand, you know, sitting next to you. It seems cheesy. seems like, a, oh, we have, to, we have to say hi to people. I'm an introvert. I don't like doing that. But really, otherwise, we'd, we'd never even touch the person down the road from us. We never even know their name. We have to know how, and we have to go deeper than that. We have to know how God um, loves each of us and loves the person next to us. Just like to invite Mike back up as, uh, as, as we just finish there. Mike, yeah. Fantastic. Wasn't that an amazing message? Thank you, Andy. Yeah, before we uh, go forward, um, Debs is upstairs in 180. Loves being with the children for sure. And uh, we just want to thank you all um, from the bottom of our hearts for the way you do serve in this community. It's an amazing community. We have the opportunity of going to many places, and uh, two weeks' time I'll be in Haiti for a while uh, doing some uh, leadership training there for people. But I tell you what, there's no church like Oceanside. We love it. We love you so much. And, um, you know, one of the things about volunteering and, and so on, and we have a tremendous volunteer force is that you make good friends within that community, within the community. And I remember that many years. Some of my best friends I've ever... I've been back to South Africa. I saw some of them that I've known since the 70s and 80s. And uh, it's just wonderful because, um, especially in the 80s, I got saved in the 80s. But then uh, we can talk about how we all started together and um, helping here and doing this. And who would have known what God would have in store for us in the future. So it's a wonderful opportunity to build community. And uh, the stats, the Barna stats say that people who volunteer in the church um, stay the longest in the church. And uh, it's just a reality and so on. So I just want to thank you. 
want to thank the eldership team. I'm so proud of them. These uh, young guys preaching so well and just um, getting so much out of it and knowing that the church is in good hands. And that's what we want to do. The two things, we want to um, ourselves be involved, but we want to take people on a journey and raise up people so that we can duplicate ourselves. And so this is not an obligation in any way. It's an act of love. And I know some people are just not able to do it in seasons and so on. Uh, so there's no issue about that. But uh, I'm going to give it back to Andy again because uh, he actually knows what's going on in the church. Uh, and um, thank you all so much. Why don't you give each other a hand? <laughs>